In a world where three pudgy middle school history teachers discuss random aspects of history. Well, that's... that's all I got. No, Hatfield, we got you. Yeah, I, Wait, who you calling pudgy? Yeah, man, that's kind of rude. No, I'm rude. It's the History Bros Podcast. <laughs> It's the History Bros Podcast, back with you once again after a one-week layoff. We apologize for that. Uh, we're going to blame Canada for that, I think. Sweet, yep. Anyway, I had a wonderful week. Uh, there was a wonderful night last night. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a darkly lit room, and there was, <laughs> there was like two or three of us there inside a cage. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a good night. I threw a two men enter, one man leave type of thing. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, no, not, not at all. I threw axes last night. I'm sorry for the axes. What did they do to you? Uh, nothing, but I, I threw them into the wood and I, they, well, I got a few of them to stick. I wasn't as good as the guy with me that I had with me, um, who was a division one football athlete. Uh, long story. Anyway, so I threw axes and I felt like a junior woodsman. I wasn't very Great. good at it. The guy with me was good. He, yeah, like, he knew a what he junior was woodsman. Yeah, I don't know. Is it like an apprenticeship that I'm it's unaware like a, of? I think or? it's like a Cub Scout. It's oh. got well, no, 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 no. I, 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 I quit Cub Scouts after one year. I can, I can cut down a little tree. I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming. Well, I've well, got my sapling badge. So <laughs> that went. Uh, that went to the old guy from Family Guy. <laughs> that's where that went. That's what that sounded like. <laughs> oh, I cut down a sapling. No, but our, our leader, I mean, we had some stuff that was based on, you know, like survival, you know, being first somewhere. And I, we called him Kevin John Smith. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, inside joke. Kevin. Kevin. Kevin John Smith. Oh, boy. I beat you oh, to it, Hatfield. <laughs> anyway. That's okay. That's inside jokes galore. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Fun for the listeners. <laughs> well, the problem is we probably better not explain exactly what that's all about. Nope. Nope. We'll just leave that one alone. Anyway, the uh, History Bureau is on the air today, and uh, our topic is going to be kind of fun. And by that, I mean tons of fun. Because you know how we usually do this week in history? This time we're doing last week in history for this part. <laughs> I like how you did that. Because <laughs> we, we were going to do this last week, and it would have been this week, but we didn't do last week, so now it's last week in history. Thanks, Canada. Way to go. Yeah. Blame Canada. Oh, wait. we got to pay him if we use that, don't we? No, only if you use more than like 30 seconds. Oh, what's that, a oh. boot? <laughs> now, of course, you know what movie I'm referencing there, guys. Uh, that would be Chucky. Yes. No, Bride of Chucky. A Bride right. of Chucky. Yeah, no, that was South Park, bigger, longer, uncut. But anyway, uh, yeah. Thanks for giving them free press. Cheers. Cheers. Like well, I, you know what? Yeah. I, hey, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I have yet to see the Book of Mormon, and I want to so bad because 
It's the same guys who. Okay, Mormon's amazing, amazing. One of my favorites. There we go. More it's free the, press. It's I know. Yeah. It's, so it's it's Jerry Parker and Matt Stone, who did, uh, uh, who are the creators of South Park. They also did the Book of Mormon, and I mean, there's got to be historical undertones there in that 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 musical, or maybe what not. musical? In the Book of Mormon. Cha-ching. Hey, it's like me saying, find Hatfield on Wikipedia. What? You gotta drop the nickel. Let me, let me check, let me check oh. my uh, let me check my uh, statement balance now. Oh look, it, it yeah has it grown since uh, since the beginning of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, since you just said my name, um, yeah, it actually. Oh no, wait, no, I got paid. <laughs> I got paid by <laughs> so no, it wasn't you. It wasn't you at all. Ah, oh, crap. Oh, that's so, yeah. so today we're going to get into womp, womp. A, I know. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> I needed the, dang it, I need the, the soundboard up that you guys won't let me use anymore. You really don't. You really don't, though. <laughs> yeah, if there was ever a time. There was one, but whatever. So, t- so last week in history, something happened. And uh, <laughs> I actually just tested my students over this yesterday or two days ago. Just one thing, though. I mean, you said <laughs> one thing, and that's probably true. I mean, there's there may have been definitely more than not one many thing. things that have happened. It's definitely just one. Last thing. week in history? Right. Yeah. There was only just one thing that's ever happened right. last week. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty – I mean, it's it's known – for those of you that really aren't historians like the three of us are, <laughs> um, <laughs> last week is known as nothing happened. Because there was really nothing except one right. thing. And so right. that's why it's so important. Sure. Because, I mean. Um, it's the only care. thing that happened, so. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, at, at, at one thing at a time, at least. No. No, no, no. That's, that's ridiculous. That's oh. fake news. Oh. <laughs> this is oh. the worst. What are we doing? <laughs> um. I don't know what you're doing, but here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and, and say that uh, we're gonna get into this topic of drum roll, please. Uh, the Boston Tea Party. Oh, there it is. Did I step on it? Did I walk on it? A little bit, but that's okay. I'm sorry. No, no, you didn't. No, no, no. I I just I did a terrible job of setting you up, and then I just kind of sucked. I just I just don't understand what your guy's obsession is with. New England history when Jesus. there is obviously a tea party that happened right here that no one ever wants to talk about. Right. Which one's Tell that? Huh? Which one's Tell that? About it. Which one is the that? The Edenton Tea Party. Yeah, of course. Oh, wait, d- cha-ching for them now. That's more money for them. <laughs> yeah. those, those dead people in history just rolling in the cash. <laughs> <laughs> the folks at the Edenton Tea Party Society really are. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't bring up September 11th. We don't want any more money going to Al Qaeda. <laughs> oh, are you suggesting Is that how history works? I'm not sure. Are you suggesting that Al Qaeda was behind the Edenton Tea Party? Whoa. Whoa. Um, well, I mean, they had a they had like a there was a house behind them. So, yeah, I mean, so we, they were we, we have totally screwed up uh, <laughs> the stories of most history. So why not screw this one up, too? Sure. <laughs> so tell us about the uh, Northern Iowa Picune Tea Party. 
Well, so you see what happened is uh, all the little girls were excited to get dressed up in their their Sunday best. And so they gathered around a table. Of course, this was pre-COVID-19, or at least before we knew what exactly it was. Way pre-COVID. Way pre-COVID-19. We think. We think. Allegedly. Allegedly. Isn't that what you guys say? And yeah. so they got, they gather around. They put the little tea tea uh, uh, cups out, and they, the the girls they would pick up the the tea with their pinky finger sticking out, and they'd drink their their tea, which I think was actually bubblegum flavored water. But anyway, <laughs> um, and then at, at, yeah, and that that was the North Iowa Pecune Tea Party because then all the, the girls went home. Well, that's so, fun at all. I know. So girls wearing their Sunday bests. Uh, drinking bubblegum flavored water, but but here's the catch: they were wearing their Sunday Sunday best, right? But it was a Tuesday. <gasps> dun dun that's, dun! That's pretty scandalous. I know. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole lot of ankle showing. Oh, Bad. see this? Well, we got to up the rating now from PG to <laughs> what, R now. <laughs> PG thirteen. Showing. Uh, no, there was no, no no tea party here in Northern Iowa. What a bunch Iowa. of tawdry strumpets you have up there in Northern <laughs> Iowa. Hey, be nice now. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh, but anyway, uh, Boston did have a big tea party, and not the type where. Did they? Yeah, well, not the type huh. you're thinking where like there's everybody comes be- dressed in their best. Oh, uh, they were dressed up. Okay. What? I wasn't thinking that, but okay. Well, they were dressed up, but they were dressed up more like as Native Americans, and uh, oh. not because they were trying to honor anybody, but because they were trying to hide their identities because they were upset. Uh, how much do you guys know about the Boston Tea Party? Well, um, to my understanding, it um, it took place on October 25th, 1774 in Edenton, North Carolina. <laughs> God, this guy sucks. And um, oh well, I'm sorry. Uh, in St. Louis, because everything in St. Louis. <laughs> That's better. I didn't um, say that. That's right. I'm sorry. I see. I'm just when I when I get angry, I just lash out at everybody. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, it's not fine. It's but it's fine. Okay, so here's what really went down on December 16th of 1773. <laughs> this is before Edenton, so take that they had actually learned about it because of the 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 huge amounts of um the the correspondence the committees of correspondence you're talking about a word had made it from north carolina and they're like let's get the jump on this we're gonna do this first oh whatever but see the thing about the edenton tea party is it was obviously less racist (laughs) whatever Well, what we didn't we didn't have a bunch of people dressing up like Native Americans, quote unquote. And by dressing up, it means they they take coal dust and smear it on their faces. And I mean, what? I mean, it, well, they wore like like they put feathers in their hair too. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. Oh, oh. yeah. You got, you got baseball I, I, teams changing names because of that nowadays. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what are they changing their name to? They don't know yet. Do you know. They don't, they don't know mean. yet. See, just, <laughs> like, can you imagine Sam Adams stepping up and saying, you know, we're going to have a Boston tea party and we're going to be dressed as Indians. No, let's not do that. Okay, well, let's, uh, we'll be warriors. No, should we talk that either? Okay, well, um, we will be drunken Irish. Yay! 
Oh boy. And the people at Notre Dame all of a sudden just got really cringy. Mm. Hey, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> December no, um, 16th of 1773. What's no, going to happen is an incident in which 342 chests of tea that belong to the East India Company are going to be tossed into the Boston Harbor by American, <laughs> I'm going to say American colonists, not American patriots, uh, because uh, that, whatever. That, that, I, at that time, it was obviously very, very debatable whether they were patriots or treasonous, you know. Um, disguised as Mohawk Indians, the Indi- Americans were pr- protesting both attacks on tea because of the whole taxation without representation idea, and then this perceived monopoly by the East India Company. Basically, what happens is you've got the Townshend Acts passed by Parliament uh, that imposes taxes uh, on various products imported into the colonies, one of which had been uh, tea. Uh, it raised a storm of con- colonial protest and noncompliance and, until they were repealed in uh, 1770. Um, so basically, things changed, and basically what happens is, par- uh, let's see, you're saving on the duty on tea. Oh, excuse me, left the... I'm all over the place. Basically, the, the tax on tea was left as part of that. Um, it would, Parliament basically wanted to demonstrate its presumed right to raise such colonial tax for, revenue. For towns and Revenue Acts. Yes. They kind of repealed all of those except for yeah, the tea. Yeah. Because they wanted, to say, they wanted to demonstrate, yeah, we still have the authority to tax you. So it yes. was even a minimal tax on the tea. It wasn't even really that big of a deal, but it was just the principle of it. Right. Now, we take this, if we roll this farther back, it goes back to the, uh, uh, it actually goes back to the French and Indian War, but at the end of the French and Indian War, King George III puts out the proclamation of 1765, which says two things. One, 63. Sorry, you're right. 63. You're right. Um, 1965. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) uh, listen. It's uh, actually three things. It accomplished three things. I got it right, and Kevin Bryant has to yell at Hatfield this time. In 1965, you guys are messing me up. Anyway, um, number one, the first provision in that that proclamation is colonists are not allowed to move west of the Appalachian Mountains, which was kind of the whole reason they were fighting the the, the colonists wanted the war fought to begin with. They wanted the French out of there, and they wanted to move to, out into the west beyond the Appalachian Mountains into the Ohio Valley. Well, there was already people who own land out there. So exactly. That, that's the what they wanted. Native Americans like their own homeland. Well, <clears> right. They, the natives be their own purchased land right and king george says we're not going to mess with the native americans that's their land leave them alone and so uh these people that had bought land out there uh were not happy the second part was king george III said that we are going to tax the uh the colonists to pay for the war which um had mixed feelings because yeah I, i think some colonists understood yes this benefited us but at the same time they're saying well we're the ones over here doing the dirty work so that that uh, of gathering resources, doing the trade and whatnot, so that the home country can get rich. Are we not British subjects the same as the people in in the like within the, the boundaries of Great Britain? Sure. Um, so why are we being taxed? All right. So there's a whole bunch of things that lead to a lot of problems, including uh, you know we're going to know about the the Boston Massacre, which kind of plays a role in all of this. Not necessarily the Tea Party, but now we get to the 1773 mark, the end of 1773, and basically this. This tax, which, as you guys said, wasn't necessarily a huge tax, but like you said, it's the principle of the thing, and it appeared to benefit the East India Company. 
Which okay, can I can I backtrack for just a second? Well, we've been doing it the whole time, so go ahead. No, so, <laughs> seriously. Um, so we're talking French and Indian War ends, and um, so this proclamation of 1763, um, when I when I've taught the class, um, it it accomplished basic well three big three big things. One is that it took all this new territory that it got from the French and it divided it into manageable governments um, or, or, or territories. You had uh, West Florida, East Florida, Quebec, and, um, oh, what is the, uh, I actually, you know, I actually have it right up in front of me. Um, Granada is the other one. So it, uh, it creates these, um, to take this territory that uh, they just gotten from France. And then secondly, um, it's going to start giving territory to soldiers as a means of thanking them for having served in the French and Indian War. Now, uh, this is, and I always, you know, when we go over this with the kids, um, do you know how much land they gave to these soldiers just off the top of your head? Probably not. It's I don't, but I'm going to assume it was probably a thousand acres. Okay, so for every private in the military, you got 50 acres. Uh-huh. For every non-com, you got about 200. Uh, for every subaltern or staff officer, you got 2,000. Jeez. Um, to every captain, uh, 3,000 acres. And to every person having a rank of a field officer, 5,000 acres. That's a lot of land. And, I mean, you got to think. I mean, they're going to have to get that territory from somebody. Right. And chances <laughs> are people are already living there. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing was they were not going to allow colonists to kind of travel over the Appalachian mountains and they're going to reserve a lot of this territory for native Americans. Um, uh, which is going to upset a lot of colonists because some colonists are already living there. Yeah. And then, um, the rest of them are like, you know, well, the whole, one of the purposes of fighting this war is, you know, we're wanting to try and, you know, take more land also. So, um, so moral of the story is that what I said about the two things is not accurate. And what? Well, no, 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 it, no. It was accurate. There was just there was there was probably there was just more to be, to be said about it. But sure. then, after this is over, um, the necessity for like the towns and revenue acts and the, you know all this other stuff um, the, uh, is because uh, they need to raise money because they've lost so much money because of this war. It was a very very expensive war. Yes. And so, and uh, the people in England were already paying a fair amount. Now, up to this point, um, as we kind of listened to on another podcast, <laughs> um, is that um, the, some of these colonies, a lot of these colonies were established as companies or, or business ventures. Um, the, the Virginia Company, the London Company, the um, you know, Massachusetts Bay Company, that kind of stuff. They create um, these colonies um kind of now of course there are some people that come over here for religious liberty but the companies even uh the carolina charter that's given um to uh, the individuals from uh, charles ii is really like okay you come over here you can take whatever land you want as long as there are not christian people here um and then you know a percentage of what you find that's valuable you're going to give back to us 
Mm-hmm. And but once this comes along, the colonists are kind of pretty much self-governing. They've gotten used to their, you know, being set in their ways. They are British subjects. They are subject to the crown. But for the most part, they've kind of been hands off. The British Parliament's kind of been hands off for them. But then this well, war they're, happens. They're 3000 miles away. How do you be very much hands on at that time in history with very little right, communication right. capability? Which which winds up being part of uh, uh arguments that they place in the declaration because it takes you know uh the british parliament starts to crack down on the colonists after this boston tea party um and some of it is you know they need to get you know the king's assent to these laws that are necessary to run these colonies and sometimes it's taking them so long and sometimes he won't even agree to it and all this kind of stuff so um so after the French and Indian War, the British government kind of says, OK, yeah, we need to kind of pay more attention to what's going on over here because we just spent a whole <laughs> bunch of money and you guys are a little unruly. And let's just be honest, Massachusetts is kind of the worst. They are the <laughs> rabble rousers of, no, sure. um, of the colonies. I think that's So fair. a lot of the things that take place usually tend to happen in Massachusetts. But that kind of gives a little bit more. Uh, more context. So you had the French and Indian War. They're trying to raise money. Um, they're going to be more, um, you know, um, rural colonies, uh, royal colonies. And um, the uh, the they're going to be more subject to uh, British policies, and they, at this time, they, they still do have their own elected officials, their own uh, elected legislatures, but um, a lot of things are going to change, especially after this uh, Boston Tea Party. And so that's part of the reason, Rude, you were, you were going into about it's really more of a, of a, of a, of a monopoly. Right. So, and I'm getting this from Britannica.com, so there we've credited them with the uh, – Uh, whatever, you know, whatever we got to do for that. But in 1773, Parliament passed a tea act designed to aid the financially troubled East India Company by granting it, one, a monopoly on all tea exported to the colonies, two, an exemption on the export tax, and three, a drawback or refund on duties owed on certain surplus quantities of teas in its possession. The tea sent to the colonies was to be carried only in East India Company ships and sold only through its own agents bypassing the independent colonial shippers and merchants. So in other words, if I'm a, a salesman of anything uh, in the colonies and I, I'm selling tea and that's, you know, because that's how, let me back up. In the colonies, uh, there's different ways to make money. Of course, farther south, you have much more tobacco being grown, land being used, and that's how a lot of people are making money, by growing the crop and then selling it. In the north, particularly Boston, it's much more of a mercantile-based economy where they're trading yes there's some wood being you know sawn down and and shipped back but for the most part they're getting products brought in from europe that are manufactured and then selling those to the people in in uh in new england and in boston well if that's my business and now all of a sudden somebody else is saying i can't sell the tea that i've been selling i can't make money so right they're basically cutting out the middleman, right? Uh, so the if com- like if your job is is to buy and sell goods and uh, you know in quantity, 
and they cut out the middleman. They cut out the guy who does that and just ship it directly, basically. Right. They're cutting out a lot of business. Exactly. The company thus could sell the tea at less than usual price in either America or Britain. It could undersell right. anyone else. The perception of monopoly drove the normally conservative colonial merchants into an alliance with radicals led by Samuel Adams and his Sons of Liberty. Um, so uh, in such cities as New York... Philadelphia, Charleston, tea agents resigned or canceled orders, and the merchants refused consignments. In Boston, however, the royal governor, Thomas Hutchinson, determined to uphold the law and maintain that the three arriving ships, the Dartmouth, Eleanor, and Beaver, would be allowed to deposit their cargoes, that appropriate duties should be honored. On the night of December 16th, a group of about 60 men, encouraged by a large crowd of Bostonians, donned (laughs) blankets and Indian headdresses, marched to Griffin's Wharf, boarded the ships, and dumped the tea chests valued at about 18,000 pounds into the water. Today, that would be worth about a million dollars, roughly. Um, in retaliation, Parliament passed a series of punitive measures known in the colonies as the Intolerable Acts, which included the Boston Port Bill, which closed the harbor. And as you can imagine, uh, did not go well for the... It's well. It's pretty fascinating how both the colonists and the parliament kind of sort of force us to the inevitable war. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things that the parliament could have done. There's also a lot of ways that the the, uh, the colonists could have reacted to that. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, they in Britain, kind of like with uh, the French and Indian War, the English call them the coercive acts. We call them the intolerable acts. Right. Um, because um, they were intolerable. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but and it, and it was, I mean, it clamped down on a lot of things. It closed down the harbor until um, the 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 colony paid for the destroyed tea. Because, I mean, right. let's be honest, this was, this was um, I guess, was it, I guess, private? Well, would you consider private property or government property? It's private property, but basically it's being government backed. Yeah. Okay. So, like a contractor almost. So, in 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 essence, you're you're dealing with government regulation. And let's be yeah. And let's be honest. There are. I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but I've always heard that King George was getting a kickback Mm -hmm. on the tea sold by or the money made by the East India Company. But um, yeah. So could be. I I had not heard that. But so they closed down the um. Uh, the harbor, I mean, not letting ships enter out. And you got to think, you know, Massachusetts relied a lot on, you know, its shipping. So this it's kind of weird because you're closing it down until they can pay it back. But you're also restricting the way that they can raise money in order to pay it back. Right. Oh, sure. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing is, is that they basically dissolved all um, uh, legislative bodies you, or you could not actually meet um, more than once a year. In the colonies, so any sort of like, you know, I don't think that I think that includes uh, uh, any sort of protests or government functions. You can only meet once a year unless you got permission. Well, that was the um, way that was the way of trying to shut down the, the Sons of Liberty, correct? Probably. Yeah. But I mean, another yeah. way to do that was uh, part of that, which was the Quartering Act, which they um, they started moving more and more troops into mm-hmm. Um, Boston, and they didn't have enough. Um, they had they didn't have enough room at the end. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, that, and um, go ahead. So the the quartering acts, you know, a lot of people think that that just it forced this immediately forced soldiers into people's homes, and that's not a hundred percent correct. 
um, they were to take uh, unoccupied buildings first. Right. Um, but also like hotel rooms and things like that. And then they w could start, you know, having families and stuff like that to live in. And the families or the hotel owners or whatever would still have to provide them with like bedding and uh, drinks and uh, like candles for lighting, you know, stuff for heat. Food. So they would still have to provide these kind of right. things. Yeah. And that's, that's what, when I teach it in class, I always say, you know, we hear the quartering act, we think, uh, homes. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have a soldier living in my home. Yes, that does happen, like you said. Uh, but I like the fact that you, you mentioned that it starts with the hotels and, and, and the public spaces uh, that were either not being used or were being commandeered. So like churches were being taken over um, and, right. and people were living there. But I always like to explain how, you know, if I'm a hotel owner, uh, how do I make my money? And that's by renting rooms out for people to live in. And if I have 10 rooms and normally they cost $10 a night, that's a hundred bucks a night if I'm, if I'm booked solid. And, and, it, but, uh, if I have a, uh, if I have, um, you know, nine soldiers living in, a, in, in there, they don't have to pay for it. Now I've got basically one room that I can put out, uh, out for rent. First off, who wants to stay in the place where all of these soldiers are listening to everything I say, um, <laughs> And even if I can get someone to stay, that's that. Now I'm down to making ten dollars a day instead of a hundred. Right. So it it's a what would you? It's a tax, but it's what do you call that? Like a, a non. Oh, what do you call it? I think you're not no, compete. it's not a it's not a literal tax, but it's right. more of a figurative <laughs> since they're having to like provide. They're having to provide these kind of think things. Think about this. Also, it's an indirect in tax. The large, there we go. There you go. In some of the larger cities, a lot of your hotel rooms aren't what you consider. I mean, a lot of, in a lot of cities, uh, hotel rooms aren't necessarily hotel rooms. They're tavern rooms. Right. You know, so are you going to hang out in a tavern now that because there's you know, British soldiers quartered there, yep. not necessarily. And a lot of the, you know, dissenting voices were coming from those tavern rooms. That's where a lot of those meetings were taking place. So, mm -hmm. and you also have to think directly a way to shut that down as well. Yeah, that was, well, I mean, yeah. And that's part of the reason why I'm sure they chose that. Oh, you sure. Know, you're not going to have as much rabble rousing if you've got, yeah. you know, the yeah, teacher's yeah. pets kind of thrown in there too. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. at, that point, um, at that point, snitches didn't get stitches. Right. Right. But um, so but yeah, so the Boston Tea Party is kind of what sort of unleashes the intolerable acts because um, the British are kind of like, dude, we are so tired of your guys's nonsense. <laughs> yeah. done, and you guys and the thing is, is that, yeah, they destroyed and it's kind of like, you know, when and they did. I don't I'm not sure that they even I mean, maybe they did have like insurance and stuff like that, but. I kind of like when we talk about, you know, rioting and stuff that happens today, um, you know, if you have somebody that is uh, that, you know, there's a protest that's going on and whether you're for it or you're against it. Um, and maybe this is going to be kind of controversial and unpopular. But then when, you know, all of a sudden you smash in the doors of somebody's business and start stealing their stuff or you burn it down, that may not even have anything to do with it then it's kind of like now you've made them a victim as well right? out of this whole thing and their livelihood. So, but in this particular case, their focus was really on the tea. They weren't going around burning like, you know, you know, dress shops and that kind of stuff. Um, 
But still, I mean, it was someone's property and they destroyed it. And I know it's for us, it kind of seems like, yeah, but, you know, it's also <laughs> kind of like mm, we were kind of jerks about that sort yeah. of thing, I and, guess. And there are some. Oh, sorry, Brian, you were going to say something. No, you're good. I'm just agreeing. Um, there are some in the colonies that were that will were or will become very, very, very uh, prominent leaders in this uh, quest for independence, as I'm going to call it, that did not agree with this Boston Tea Party concept where the, the tea was destroyed. Probably the most famous of them, some guy by the name of George Washington, I think it is. He, uh, who's he, that? Yeah. I don't, I'm unfamiliar. Kevin, 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 George Washington. Ke- Ke- Kevin, George Washington, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that we heard somebody else refer to Captain John no, Smith. No, we, we don't need to drop anything else. Let's just go on. Let's I'm not going to say who, but he, uh, he got a little bit of a twang. We won't say where he's from. Articulation was the issue. Yes. Um, and so that's, that's where that reference is coming from. So if you hear us talking about Kevin John or Kevin whoever, <laughs> it, Captain is the real word. Unless his name is really Kevin, in which case we'll point it out to you. Well, not many people know that uh, George was actually his middle name. His first name was Kevin. Right. But, <laughs> but I don't think, you know, but there's something about Kevin Washington that maybe. <laughs> same ring to it, right? I mean, yeah. you know. There is some poor guy named Kevin Washington in the world listening to this right now saying, what? What's wrong with my name? What did I do? Yeah. Hey. I know. Who who are these jerks? Yeah. Look on the bright and side. They're now off. And what, fifteen minutes? Yeah, so we're yeah. right on the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Look on the bright side, Kevin. Uh you got mentioned on the very prestigious History Bros podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do we say? <laughs> I'm saying prestigious. Um, so yeah, so um so the tea party they you know, they they they, they kind of I think it was like it well, obviously it was a planned deal, but I think they were giving somebody a chance. Like I think they were having, uh, if I'm correct, they were having a meeting, and yes. then Sam Adams, you know, said hops are what's important, <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> marches out. Yes, because Sam, Sam Adams. By the way, I remember some. Uh, God, it was it is like I think during the o- Obama Romney uh, election, uh, you know, the Tea Party was kind of on the rise. And they had um, there was a one the, one of the things that kind of made the news rounds was there was a guy that was talking to the founding fathers, and he was like, you know, our rights are under assault and all that kind of stuff, and and he's talking to like uh, you know Sam Adams who was I think in that thing he says, and you know, and our businesses, and I'm thinking Sam Adams was like one of the worst businessmen ever. <laughs> um, I mean, he was horrible. He did. I mean, he failed at so many jobs. But one of the things that he was good at was you know um, was organizing, like you know, and so. So it was just kind of funny when he's, you know, he when he when he's in this commercial and he taught and he's like in our businesses. And I'm thinking you're thinking of the brewery, which is you're right. <laughs> but, somebody um, that, he didn't start the brewery. So he, somebody's using his name. Right. Yeah. So uh, which is a good beer. Cha-ching. Look at us. We're just giving <laughs> free stuff away. You know, hey, and you get a plug and you get a plug. Say, if we don't get some really cool Christmas presents this year because of this, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> if what? <laughs> sure. <laughs> if we don't get like each like a case of, um, I, I don't know, Sam Adams light, Sam Adams, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> 
maybe some of their um you know um holiday brews perhaps <laughs> i mean I jason like- will you know brian you and i can split jason's right but um what do, what do you mean <laughs> um you, have you all of a sudden gotten a taste for beer have you no i don't drink but that's I, my point but i've never said that on the podcast Oh, well, now you have. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that's just fine. That's, um, anyway, so here's my question for everybody here. This is where I want to go with this. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> you ready for this? You ready? Yep. The Boston Tea Party. Who's right? Are the British right saying it never should have happened? Were the colonists right for trying to prove a point? That's the driving question today. Who's right? So you're asking who was who was right with with the Tea Party? Let me rephrase it. Maybe the better way to say is: Were the colonists justified in their actions? Ah. Uh, well, um, again, context is key. Um, you know, we typically try to. Um, we we typically try to take modern day values and apply them to what people were how people were behaving in the past. Right, we do that. We don't different do that, levels of. Um, I mean, the uh, co- we the we the bros don't do that, but yes, uh, the general naughty <laughs> public does that all the time. Um, I think that they they who's they. Okay, the colonists. Um, you know, of course, they have the whole repre- uh, taxation without representation. Um, as their their main argument through all of this was that they were British citizens and that they were not getting the same rights as, say, the British in uh, Britainland. Right. Sure. And um, so they their main argument was, you know. And and but the thing is that the people in England were paying much higher taxes, so they're kind of like, why are we having to pay more? You know, the people in the colonies should be paying because that's where the war was. That's what we were defending. And I think that the colonists would have been uh, agreeable to paying taxes if they were represented in Parliament, which they weren't. So it's basically like. I don't know, say, you know, Texas, uh, you know, telling other states how their constitution should work. It, it would be the be equivalent. Notice what I did there. See what I did there? Yes. Made it very timely. I don't. But um, it would be but, equivalent to me making the rules for your classroom. Me sitting in Iowa making the rules for your classroom in North Carolina. Right. I mean, yeah. To Yeah. I mean, it's and so a lot of their frustration was that. Now, did it warrant... Um, them uh, marching down to the dock and destroying all that tea. Um, that's a struggle for me. Um, I mean, you wanted to make a you want to make a, a powerful statement. So, what better statement than destroying the object that you are, you know, protesting? Um, right. But I mean, I find it interesting knowing what I know about you. Uh, having said in in the context of modern day um, protests, um, riot stuff um, recently. Um, I think it begs the interesting question with what you said here just a minute ago, where you were saying the people of Boston felt like they weren't being heard. 
And so they, 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 they stepped up and did something drastic like this to basically force their voice to be heard. And well, I, I think if you take a look at many times in history, if you take a look at the Irish people, if you even take a look at Al-Qaeda, if you take a look at um, uh, a lot of things, when people feel like, and I think we said this on the podcast before, if people feel like that they don't have a political voice or a, a political venue with which to you know, uh, stress their grievances and whatnot, a lot of the times people do tend to turn to violence because mm -hmm. they're angry, they're frustrated, and that's the only way people are going to listen. Right. The, the Irish did it with the IRA, mm -hmm. um, uh, sort of extremist uh, Muslims in the Middle East did it with Al-Qaeda um, because they were frustrated that, you know, Americans were in the Holy Land in Saudi Arabia and um, they wanted them out. Uh, the, the Irish wanted the English out. Um, and of course, then once you have sort of the development, if I'm correct, if I know my timeline, uh, once you had the development of Sinn Féin, which was kind of like the political wing, then you wind up starting to see a lot of these uh, bombings and stuff kind of like sort of go away. Because I remember in the 80s, it seemed like you would hear about pubs getting blown up like all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, so I, I, I mean, so is it justifiable? I mean, it's a famous event, um, but look at what the repercussions, you know, were. Yeah. So here's, here's where we're going to go with this. And this is my next question for you. Is it justifiable? I don't know. Uh, is this a, uh, I don't want to say a cry for attention. That's not really what it is, but is this uh, a, a reaction in which, uh, people have committed violence, um, in the name of not being represented, I think absolutely. Uh, you've given us some really, really good examples with the IRA, with uh, even Al-Qaeda, like you said. Um, and we're starting to see it, or not starting to, we have seen some of that here in uh, recent uh, months um, with some of the uh, uh, unrest within the racial uh, tensions of the country. Here's my thing. And this is where I want to find out if this is a double standard. The, or the Boston Tea Party gets talked about in every history, American history book that get, gets put out in, in uh, the country. And in North Carolina, they throw in Edenton as well. Uh, because, you know, North Carolina. Well, ours is just as important. But anyway, um, that was my dig in the Hatfield. It's attention-seeking is what it is. Well, right. But here's the thing. We, we put it in there and, and say... I don't know. Yeah, I know. We put North it in Carolina these books and, you know, um, in Johnny Tremaine in 1950, whatever, when they made that movie, it's this big heroic event. And, you know, the Boston Tea Party is not looked down upon in modern times, but we talk about the IRA blowing up stuff and committing a violent act. And uh, we, we look down on that. We talk about uh, the... Uh, rioting, whether it's it's the uh, you know this past summer or if it's the LA riots after Rodney King um, or or whatever, and we look down upon that. Um, you know, we we talk about the other stuff that you you mentioned, Hatfield. We look down upon that. What makes the Boston Tea Party okay as a violent act uh, and, and destroying property? And the other ones are, oh my gosh, we, we shouldn't do that. So that's, that's where I'm looking at. And there's, there's differences. I know there's differences, but I, I, I'm struggling myself to see what the difference is. 
in uh, uh, um, yeah, so why yeah why is boston heroic and the rest of them are despicable I guess one of the one of the things that i would say and it's something that hatfield mentioned a, a few minutes ago was that it was especially targeted ah um, you know there was uh, anger with attacks on t and the decisions that were being made with t and the um the policies that were being set uh, on T. Now I know that that stems from other things, but it manifests itself with, with T, uh, which is strange to say, but um, so the violence that is then carried out is very and specifically targeted against that industry. Um, I think that specifically is one difference as opposed to, um, you know, blanketed protests slash would riot whatever you want to call them across several businesses neighborhoods um sure you know whatever it might be i think that is one difference does it make it right i don't know but that's one noticeable difference between the two types of events okay so then what about al-qaeda that was mentioned um their attacks are on obviously american enterprise and whatnot i realize that some of the attacks yeah. have been against well, people that aren't fighting wait could i could i just add one thing too Please if do. we're talking about like those sorts of comparisons imagine if you had the boston tea party okay so they went in there they take these tea uh these crates of tea they crack them open toss them in they actually go around in boats and smash them to make sure that you know this tea is ruined mm -hmm. now imagine if they were going in and looting it instead and not destroying the tea ah uh, okay if they were just taking the tea and running off with it and you know taking it home and that kind of stuff um that shows a much different intent sure that shows um you know so there's, i mean the message is much different yeah yeah, and it's kind of like one of the reasons that I, you know, have had issues with some of the protests. If you want to protest, if you're angry, that kind of stuff, I understand. But, you know, once you start looting and destroying things that have nothing to do with what your issue is, then, I mean, I understand where the anger comes from. But then you have a lot of people that use that as an excuse for that. Sure. So, and I will, I'm, um, I'm, clearly, I don't understand. the. I mean, I understand, but I obviously can't. I, I don't fit into the, the same space, if that makes any sense, as those who feel as if they've been treated differently because of the way they look. Obviously, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I can't say, oh, I know what you mean, um, because I haven't lived that life. But I, I don't understand how stealing a thousand dollars worth of stuff from a footlocker makes it better. No, I get that. that. What you're saying. I, I get I, I, I think um, that's what Hatfield's saying. Maybe a little bit. No, maybe not in this. No, I get what well, I mean, you're right. In, in, well, in modern day, that's the thing. Yeah. But like, that's let's say, for example, um, so like one of the issues, and I think it was in Portland or some, I, I can't remember exactly where this was. And just hear me out because I'm not promoting yeah. this, but I'm just trying to use this as an example. When they, um, they were upset about the police and they went and I think barricaded and like, I think they actually burned the police station. Mm -hmm. In um, Minneapolis, that happened. Well, yeah, and, well, I can't remember where it was, but that to me makes more sense. Oh, sure, sure it does. Um, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not suggesting I'm not promoting it. I'm not endorsing it. You know, I'm just saying 
you know, if you're upset with the police department and you go and you exact that kind of vengeance on the police department, um, that that to me is the logical uh, focus. But well, not response, right. but it's that's the focus. Whereas if you're going around and yeah, like oh well, I'm so angry at the cops, I'm going to go uh, loot this Footlocker. Right. That that is not. I don't. I don't. But again. You know, I hate I'm also a person, you know, I as you know, Geldmacher is saying I'm you could also say, I guess, a person of privilege. Um, I, I mean, I, I actually had this conversation. We have a group. Um, I'm part of this uh, committee at my school where we do um, it's called uh, it's fostering authentic. Oh, my God, I can't remember the rest of it. But it's fair. And we're fostering authentic uh, relationships. Sure, and and it's it, it it was it was all started in the wake of some of these uh, murders. Uh, well, you know, police, you know, uh, killing you know African American people, and the the concepts of these, um, uh, you know, uh, feelings of being targeted because of race, and so it was an opportunity for you know people of all the races to kind of come together and have authentic conversations about it and try and discuss it and we were talking about it um i guess it was this past week or the week before and i was honestly in a position where i'm like i don't and i told this to the committee when we met as a debrief uh later in the week i'm like i don't know if i'm qualified to be on this because i don't know i i feel like i'm on this to kind of help lead but I don't feel like that I have the same experiences to lead something like that. It's kind of like, you know, the white savior kind of, you know, mentality. Sure. Um, so I'm like, and, you know, I, and I voiced that and I said, you know, and I was honestly thinking that maybe I just need to take a back seat. Maybe I just need to step off this committee because I want to hear, I'm showing up and I'm listening and I'm learning, you know, about these things, but I'm not, I don't necessarily feel like I should be leading um, and, uh, one of the other committee members, I mean, said something that was really profound and, you know, and she said, well, you're ex- just because you're white and just because you're male doesn't mean that your experiences are invalid. It just means that you have different experiences and that's part of the conversation that we need to have. And that's true. And that was a very, you know, that was a point that, you know, I, and something that maybe we should, you know, talk about, uh, within that, but, um, so, uh, uh, I now I'm completely lost as to what my because this was that was a profound conversation and uh, thing that I had, but um, when you know Geldmacher when you're talking about, um, you know if if I'm talking about you know it's difficult to try and say this is how you should be protesting because you know then right. people were upset that you know they were taking a knee at football games. Um, which was peaceful, but, oh, no, that's disrespectful. That's not how you should do it. So then, you know, they do uh, protests, and in some cases the protests become angry and rioting. Well, you shouldn't do that either. So it's kind of like you've got a group of people trying to tell – a group of people that may not be in the same demographic trying to tell the people that are how to express their frustration. Right. It's like me telling you how you should feel about everything. Which you do. No, I don't. Um, no, That's but right. uh, so right. it's kind of like so, and I guess to kind of take that long route, the <laughs> long Lewis and Clark journey around the you know the falls, um, to get to this point, um, 
it's, you know, it's to try and kind of discuss if these colonists were right or angry, you know, or or if they behaved in the correct way. Um, Yeah, I it's it's, you know, it's uh, again, I think that's probably a lot of gray area. I mean, for me, that when I think about the question you asked, Rude, I, I really do think that I'm I'm the first thing I thought of was I'm really glad that you did we did the backstory um, because there's no way you can answer this question in simply the context of that December night. Right. There's no way, right. absolutely no way. Um, so to talk about the context of it, to talk about where some of these things came from, to talk about why people were upset in the first place, I think it's, it's imperative, as you know, we've discussed on the show before. Um, you know, you can't just throw in what we know. We have to talk about all the things that lead up to it. So there is... And I know some people call it, well, it's tea, it's petty, it's stupid. Um but this is what people have felt like is, is I think this might be in the declaration of independence, a long train of abuses. Um, I mean, people just got fed up. I mean, and at some point, no matter if you agree with or disagree or at some point, someone's going to get upset over something and they're, and they're fed up to the point of doing something to this magnitude about it. Right. I mean, you have to respect that position full stop you know um it doesn't mean you have to agree with the method in which they carry out whatever is they're upset about but um you have to at least appreciate where they're coming from as far as making a statement like that so while i don't necessarily think that was it the best i I mean I, i i also think time has a has a big factor too i mean how was this treated immediately versus how is it being treated now or, you know, in the last 50 or 100 years. Well, there's truth um, to that, too. I, I think that it varies depending on, this, you know, the scenario. Right. So, I mean, that's a lot of blathering, so I'll stop. But but, but here's the thing. Like, for for everything that was just said, and I, I, again, I'm not I'm not criticizing. I just, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to sit here and, and put together everything you guys are saying and see if I, if it matches up one way or another. Like, I think about today's stuff and, and some of the arguments that have been made and, 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 you know, you just talked about um, how you can't look at that night's events with the T and say, uh, this is what happened. This is right or wrong. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to look at the, the whole thing that, that led up to it. Sure. And I think when you look at what's going on and I, like today was supposed to be Boston tea party. I wasn't really planning <laughs> on getting into current events, but I think it's gosh, darn, you know, no, it's hard, hard not to see the, yeah, the parallels. Really. Sure. But that's the thing is like people have come out and condemned looting and whatnot. And I'm not upset. I don't disagree with people who are saying the looting and the, the, or the rioting in particular, not so much the looting, but the, the rioting. Um, but to, to say that we have to understand what's going on that, that led to the Tea Party, uh, I think is the same way we have to say we understood what was going on that led to the uh, uh, the, the riots this summer and what happened this summer. You know, um, and, and, and it's deeper than just saying, well, right or wrong, whether looting, you know, um, there's more going on with it now. Certainly the looting is still illegal, you know, um, but so is vandalism, 
you know, and so was vandalism in uh, the the colonial days, and so is, is murder in the days of of the terrorist acts that have ha- occurred throughout the world, you know. But but if we're talking about what's legal and what's illegal, um, that's part of what the issue is too, because you have the killing of oftentimes unarmed African American people by individuals who may get like you know administrative leave or something along those lines and so your feelings of justice or feeling as justice is being served is also being denied right so you're deciding well if they can get away with doing something illegally at least i'm not killing somebody right (laughs) and i'm I'm just stealing some shoes or something like that see here this is how this is what's frustrating about me is that I will argue both sides of a position, right? Because I, that's just how my brain works. Because I, I really want to investigate both sides and just kind of challenge what my preconceived notions are. But, See, um, right, and that's the thing is these issues in history and modern day issues and whatnot are complicated. We can't just say, "Well, this is what it says, so it's right or wrong." There is so much gray area. That's why we have lawyers. That's why lawyers can make arguments for anything. There's gray area, you know, um, and so that's why I love this. This has been an absolutely wonderful approach to this. Um, especially with the modern efforts. And honestly, I'm so happy you brought that up because it is that complicated. Well, it just yeah. it shows that uh, like everything we've talked about with a critical eye, it's, um, and we've said it time and again, it's, it's never black and white. It's always shades of gray. Yes. So, which is, um, which is why it's important to note uh, about the Edenton Tea Party. Right. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which, I mean, we talk about it, but, you know, (laughs) since we're on the Boston Tea Party, let me just throw this out there because, hey, it's in the textbooks in uh, Missouri, right? Uh, Remember that I I went back and couldn't find it. Remember that? Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Well, then, so you (laughs) guys. Which speaks highly of me. Right. Right. Um, So so you're teaching stuff that's not in the textbook. What kind of agenda are you pushing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So essentially, uh, and I know I give it a hard time, but you know, let's let's do a side by side comparison. So, the Boston <laughs> Tea Party, seventeen seventy three, December seventeen seventy three. Um, um, then you have the Edenton Tea Party uh, in October of seventeen seventy four, um, where you have the one thing that is kind of astonishing, I guess, that you could say based on our, I guess, patriarchal society is that this is the f- one of the first, I guess, instances that you could say that women stood up to, to do an organized protest, mm. which, I mean, Mayor, I, I guess, depending. See, it's important. My, uh, my PLC partner and I have kind of been discussing about counter narratives about, you know, trying to, you know, instead of go talking about the, the famous wealthy white European people, you know, or, or men for the most part, we need to kind of broaden the scope. Um, so, but essentially it was um, that women uh, in Edenton uh, resolved to stop buying English imports. Sure. And um, they drew up resolves declaring their intention to boycott uh, tea and cloth uh, from England. Um, and which, I mean, one of the issues that we had, and this had to do with the Towns and Revenue Acts also, 
is that England would take raw materials from us and then they would, you know, ship it to England and then they would make it into chairs and shirts and whatever and then sell it back to us. And one of the issues that we had is that to try and maximize their revenue, they wouldn't allow the colonists to trade with anybody else, really. Sure. Mm -hmm. So to boycott saying, all right, we're not going to buy any of the goods from there. We'll, you know, we'll just try and create them, you know, by ourselves or whatnot was kind of a big deal. Um, so the uh, the women signed and mailed a document to England and the action has since been known as the Edenton Tea Party. So it was basically that, <laughs> which is nowhere near as exciting. I don't <laughs> see too many movies being made, you know. Um, I can imagine Shirley MacLaine being in it, perhaps, uh, as the as the cranky, you know, mother part, you know, whatever. I don't know. Sure. Um, no, but it's um, but you know, so so yeah, just to kind of let everybody. That's essentially the gist of the Edenton Tea Party, which they do drop into the North Carolina textbook, which is still kind of like, hey, we did stuff too, you know, and it's like, yeah, well. I mean, <laughs> now was that a better approach than the Boston Tea Party? Well, well this let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, which one are we? Boston. Which one did we name this episode after? Right now, <laughs> we know the well. No, well, which one? So therefore, which one was more effective? Ah. The violent act, ah, or this kind of passive? You know, let's jot this down in a note and mail it off to England, kind of thing. It was still kind of making the same thing. It's just that they were basically doing it lawfully. And Boston got all this, you know, was very, you know, aggressive and violent. But yet that's the one we remember. So there may be something to say about, you know, violence, you know, drawing more attention to your cause. And we all know they didn't close off the Edenton port. <laughs> well, it's I, I don't know where Edenton is. But... It's not a port. It's not a port. Okay. Well, that would be why they didn't. They, well, they probably did, and it was like, okay, well, you can't bring ships as far inland anyway. So it's like, you know, okay, all right. But here's we'll here's the thing. Make him backy. I think we just, I think we just proved a point there. That, that and who knew patriarchy is suppressing stories of women empowerment well that but <laughs> good. I, mean, really, I think good. uh yeah. well if nothing else we proved that even though we keep up bringing edenton forever it actually had a a key point in one of our podcasts oh, oh wait a minute wait no no i'm sorry whole second there is a downtown edenton waterfront so oh. I, oh. I, I do not know where edenton is it is in the northern northeastern part of the state and there oh is a waterfront so yeah um we probably didn't hear about all those british ships blockading the edenton uh downtown water waterfront fair enough fair <laughs> so, enough so <laughs> all right yeah i'm sorry Can this is uh, part of the intervention <laughs> All the people in Edenton are just throw, trying to throw their devices across the room at you. Hey, and you know what? At this particular point, I deserve it. I totally deserve it. Here I am bagging on Edenton, and I have no idea where it's even located. They're like, Jesus, um, you call yourself a North Carolinian not knowing where Edenton the is? The total land area for Edenton uh, looks like it's 5.57 uh, square miles. 
That's huge. I'm not um, sure. Well, compared to. Shut up. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> compared to anywhere, Iowa. Oh, shh. <laughs> Oh, um, boy. So and anyway, with that, so, yeah. we're going to take a break and come back with This Week in History after that, because that's been a good conversation. It's time to stop now. So, hmm. <laughs> so I'm glad we had this discussion um, about the Edenton Tea Party. I said break. I said break. Land the plane. Land the plane. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to say about Edenton? Uh, it doesn't matter what you want to say. It's a fine it, community, and I hope that they're all doing well there. Yes. Uh, God bless. God save the people of Edenton. <laughs> history Bros Podcast. Back we are. Time for some this week in history. And I think we ought to. We might as well get started with that. What do you think? All right. Uh, December 23rd, 1823. A newspaper in Troy, New York, publishes an anonymous poem with a memorable opening line. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house. Literature professor Clement Clark Moore will later be identified as the author of the poem that will help define the modern Santa Claus. Ooh, Santa Claus. Well, it was the night before Christmas when all throw the house. So that's right. kind of like a house party. It's like someone sure. was like, you know, uh, the roof is on fire. You know, like what happened with the, <laughs> the hunchback? Yep. Your team? Yeah. Yeah. Kind it was of- the night before Christmas and all through the house. The fire was blazing. We had no hose to use to douse. That was stupid. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know. Here, I've got a little sticker here. I will give you a little sticker for trying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. <laughs> On Christmas Eve in 1865, in the aftermath of the Civil War, several Confederate veterans established a secret vag- vigilante group mm. to threaten. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a lesser known group. Can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine if the Dark Knight were based around a rich vigilante? <laughs> Whoops! Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Would that be somebody trying to help promote the rights and station of women or trying to actually take it away is why I'm, you know, I'm trying to tell you what to do with your own bodies or not. That's 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 the, the question that would define it all. The problem is they'd be getting all rabbled up and you're know, like, well, they're trying to do this to us. Someone said, well, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, I think you ju- oh I think you just created a new word, Rude. I, <laughs> I didn't mean to. I swear I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Confederate veteran established a secret vigilante group. Oh my. 
<laughs> oh, it hurts! Oh, my skin hurts. They wore they wore pink sheets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. In December oh, 24th wow. of 1865, in the aftermath of the Civil War, several Confederate veterans established a secret vigilante group to threaten and murder free blacks and their supporters to restore white supremacy. Their name reportedly is derived from the Greek word for the circle Kyklos. I don't know. Soon the KKK will spread to every state in the American South. Whew. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh. I I'm wanting to say when I when I grew up, I remember there being a Klan march going through the center of town uh, in this little town that I lived in, South Carolina. Um, it's not like my parents took me to go see it. But I, just, I think I remember maybe I either saw it or it was in the newspaper. But I was like really little, and that was like one of the first. I mean, they just they were dressed up in their clan, you know, sheets, and just kind of marched right through the center of town, and Jeez. had a wow. police escort and everything. And jeez, that, that would have been the, I guess, the seventies. Sure, but not the eighteen seventies. So no, I'm no. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, my stomach still hurts a little bit. I wonder why. All right, December twenty fifth. Oh. Aww. 1941. During the Kraft Music Hall broadcast on NBC Radio, Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby, sings a new composition by songwriter Irving Berlin. Crosby will record White Christmas the following year for the film Holiday Inn. And again in 1947. Crosby's 47 recording of the secular holiday tune will sell more than 50 million copies and earn all-time best-selling single status. Um, we were watching a thing about this the other day. This had come up, and he, um, in 41, when he had done it, um, I mean, you're thinking we had just, you know, entered the war. Yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so... Um, and, you know, I guess they would probably he would probably sing this, obviously, in the next, you know, coming Christmases. And so they were saying, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. It's kind of like, you know, wanting to be home. And there was the context of the war that was going on at the same time. Hmm. So. so let me first off. Well, I, I've got a question for Hatfield in a second. But before I do that, you know, you're, you're talking about um, entering the war. I've been in Hawaii at Christmas time. and It's very, very hard odd when you come from a northern state where there actually is snow to hear white christmas on a uh, a beach in the south mm -hmm. pacific because mm -hmm. <laughs> there is no yeah, snow going to be falling in and i've always kind of wondered about that for like you know maybe i mean this may be this may sound stupid but like you know in australia yeah what you know what are christmas what's christmas music like well, do they celebrate Christmas? Yeah, they do. Duh. What? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine. I would imagine they do. No, they do. You're uh, right. They're Christian. But like New Zealand and uh, Australia, what's, you know, because it's like, do they, I mean, I would be interested in kind of seeing what sort of are their, you know, if it's like um, a very koala Christmas or. A, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure uh, there is. I'm, I'm sure dreaming is. of a peaceful Helm's Deep. 
Willy wow. Kaliki Maka is yeah, sorry. Well, that's, I mean that's one. But that's my, my yeah my uh, my other question <laughs> question uh, <laughs> for Hatfield here. I'm making up all kinds of words today. Holy crow, crow! Yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. What was it like, Hatfield, to hear this for the oh, first time on the radio? There we go. There when, we go. When... <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, that was well. Uh, when I was fighting for your right to be rude to me, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, <laughs> all right. Uh, I think Geldmacher is up. December twenty fourth, nineteen fifty five. An ad in a Colorado newspaper gives children Santa's phone number, but a misprint. <laughs> routes calls to a red phone at the NORAD Air Defense Command Center. Straight-laced Colonel Harry Shoup adjusts on the fly and tells staff to give the kids Santa's, quote, current location, and a tradition is born. That's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> that is they pretty still, cool. Don't they still do that? Doesn't NORAD yeah. kind of publicize it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yep. That's, yeah, there's uh, a website a you can track it and everything. I didn't know that's, that's cool. how it's. That was in 1955. Yeah, that is amazing. I've never heard that story before. Well, there you go. That's nice. I mean, it's awesome that NORAD's willing to do the work to track that. I suppose you know, usually Christmas is really? a pretty slow night. I don't think it's an appropriate use of government resources. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. And falsehood. I mean, not, not not any any children that are listening. Yes, of course, Santa's rude. Santa is very real. I know that. That's why I'm talking about it. And he's right. watching everything you're saying, and he's very very upset with you. He I, oh. thinks that you should be extra vigilant <laughs> while you are and how you're behaving for the rest of the year. Well, luckily, there's not much time left in the year, is there? <laughs> right. Oh, my I don't know if he caught that. Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah. I caught that. I, mean- <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to decide if I was going to laugh or oh. if I was going to be disgusted or if I was going to follow the advice. I, I don't know. I just lubed it up and slipped my mind. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, here we go again. Christmas Eve again. 1966, New York's WPIX, WPIX. Channel 11 replaces its regularly regularly scheduled programming with Christmas music and a shot of a log burning in a fireplace shot in Gracie Mansion, the home of the mayor of New York City. New York City? New York City. Viewers cozy up to their TVs and a tradition is born that will extend to other TV markets and beyond. That's how the Christmas log started on TV. It's yeah. pretty disappointing when you're trying to make s'mores, though. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you'd think there, there's probably some. I don't know. Is that how you burn your eyes sitting too close to the TV? Of course it is. I mean, the little sticks start scratching up the screen, and the marshmallows ne- don't even get warm. No, they don't. And and the bigger issue is the the mess that's left on the TV screen. You it. it well, we're just going to leave it at that for now because I, I don't like where my mind is going. December 21st, 1988. I remember this one. Pan Am Flight I knew it. I knew you'd remember it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Well, uh, some of us were alive then. 
Yeah. So what you don't know is that before you got onto the uh, into the group, Hat or uh, Geldmacher and I were specifically talking about this. I'm not sure we were talking. I was specifically talking about wanting you to have this one. Ryan was talking about it, and you were like, I remember when Grandpa would tell me about this. (laughs) No, I actually remember when my band director would tell me about this, but whatever. 1988, I was um, either a freshman or, wait, this is December, so I was a sophomore in high school. I was three. In the sixth grade. I was three. I don't remember it. But go on, Grandpa. Tell us all about it. I'll tell you about when hot dogs were a nickel. (laughs) Um, Pan Am Flight 103 from London to New York explodes in midair over Lockerbie, Scotland, an hour after departure. All 259 passengers were killed in the explosion caused by a bomb hidden inside an audio cassette player that detonated inside the cargo area when the plane was at an altitude of 31,000 feet. A shower of plane, airplane parts falling from the sky also killed 11 Lockerbie residents. Okay, so I do have some legit questions uh, for you guys, mainly Hatfield because he's a little bit older uh, to remember this. What time of day did this happen uh, as far as United States time, so like East Coast, West, or East Coast or Central time? Um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, it took place over Scotland, so I'm not sure why it would be necessary. Well, I, I get that, but I'm like, I'm just kind of curious, like if I were to, exp- if I were alive to experience this, what time of day would I be hearing about it? Or was it, was it something that got reported on the evening news? I think it was, I well, I mean, you got to think 1988, there was nothing but like the evening news. That's there wasn't true. like these 24 hour news shows and stuff <clears> like that. Um, so if you did have something like that that would happen, maybe they might have like updates and you know breaking news and that kind of stuff. So, which I honestly I kind of miss those days. Right, I agree. Um, but um, I remember it was like it was on the it was in the newspapers. It was all over the news when it happened. It was so twelve. I remember. I I could swear, and I could be wrong. I my timeline might be messed up, but I I want to say that I remember seeing this on CNN. We had, I mean, we had a very basic cable back then, so... CNN would have existed at that point. It wasn't what it is today, or or same thing. No, 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 but it was still... Um, yeah, I, I don't know if this was... Uh, I, don't, I remember seeing it on the news. I don't remember if it was night or day, but I do remember seeing it. I don't know if it was a breaking news situation, or if it was just we had turned it on, or somebody had turned it on and it was on. I, I'm not sure. Just so that I can understand the context of it, um, obviously it's getting a lot of of coverage in the United States um, as a terrorist attack. But my question is, why did the United States gravitate towards it so much? Like, why did, why was it as big a news in the United States uh, as it would have been, say, in England or in Ireland? And, and I'm not asking this being stupid. I'm asking this trying to to understand. I'm sorry, what? what? What's this question again? So, like, obviously it got a lot of news play in the United States. But, like, there's been other terrorist attacks that I've experienced that have a- occurred in other countries that don't get nearly the coverage in the United States that it sounds like Lockerbie got. Well, it was... didn't uh, Wait, didn't it originate in... Wait, Pan Am flight from London to New York. So there would have probably been Americans on board, which okay. is probably why they focused a lot on that. Okay. That makes sense. Plus, at this particular point, I don't think that there were 
maybe I could be wrong, but this was, I mean, uh, terrorism like on airports and stuff like that wasn't necessarily, I don't know if it was necessarily that common, maybe. Sure. I mean, the 80s were when you started to see a much uh, big rise in it, so maybe it was. But um, and There were, uh, I mean, not that this is anything to do with it, but there were a couple of, uh, um, a UN ambassador uh, and a couple of people who actually worked for the CIA on board. Not that that means anything, not that there's any sort of conspiracy, but there were government officials who died in the crash. Did we figure out, uh, do you know off the top of your head who did, uh, who was behind it? And if not, I'm looking it up right now. In 2003, uh, Muammar Gaddafi accepted responsibility for the bombing. Okay. And paid compensation to the families of the victims, although he maintained he'd never given the order for the attack. Hmm. Oh, acceptance of responsibilities, and I'm getting this from Wikipedia, So, yeah. uh, was part of a series of requirements laid out by a UN resolution in order for sanctions against Libya to be lifted. So, I mean, I don't know if that means that he actually had yeah, some Libya was Libya was kind of like the uh, focus of a lot of our... Yeah, they were a wild card back in the uh, mid to late 80s. Okay. And like I said, I just, I didn't know, um, you know, the, it, obviously Muammar Gaddafi has, has claimed it, but it sounds like the PLO, which is the Palestine Liberation Organization may have had some involvement in it or at least been around it somehow. But it's, it, it sounds like this is, you know, it, this was not like a, uh, uh, oh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, you know, North Ireland. Oh, oh, I got you. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound like that, no. You know, this was definitely, um, I don't want to say a Middle Eastern attack, but kind of some of the stuff, similar vibes of what we had happen, you know, mm. not quite 20 years later. Well, 15 years later. 9-11. Gotcha. Not the exact same groups, but similar. No, 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 no. it's uh, still, uh, you know, sounds like maybe extremists. Right. All right. Well, gentlemen, good show today. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Even the uh, creation of new words, you know, that's fun. You know, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. I'm not going to lie. That was that was pretty good. I, I can tell you, uh, I'm pretty sure my good buddy Bob Fenske is going to listen to that, and he's going to say that that was probably about one of the funniest things he's heard. Uh, of course, he's easily entertained, but anyway. Um, yeah, but... Uh, Rock on. Merry Christmas. Or Happy New Year's or Happy Kwanzaa to all you guys. Wow. To all y'all. Sliding the, sliding the Jews. Way to go. Oh, Happy Passover. It hurts me. No, hurts sorry. Me. It's Happy Hanukkah. Sorry. Happy Chana- Happy Chanukah. Did you guys see that? There was a, you know, they, they've been doing those cameo things. You know, the where you can, like, you, you get on and you pay, like, X yeah, number of yeah, dollars. Yeah. And they'll have like a, a you know a celebrity kind of like send you like a personalized video greeting and stuff like yeah. that. Well, there was one that was floating around Twitter where Smokey Robinson was like okay. um, the guy the, and the person sings. apparently that, that huh when Smokey sings Sorry. right. So um, which is how he's famous because of that song by the way, Rude. Right. I know that you're young and stuff. <laughs> um, but they um, but he was like you know the person said I. 
did my mom used to live on the same road that uh, Smokey Robinson used to live on. So, you know, that was kind of how it started. He says, and then it gets kind of weird. And so he was like, Hey, I heard that, uh, you know, you lived on my street, which, you know, Hey, happy to see you again, which it was a little awkward. Cause he was like, I don't remember this person at all. But he <laughs> says, uh, and such and such wants me to uh, wish you happy Chinooka. And I don't oh, even know what Chinooka is, but, you know, happy Chinooka. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> whoops. But, um, you know, it's kind of and the thing is, I, I hate the fact that he was like, you know, I guess maybe he'd never seen a spelling because there are different spellings of it, sure. you know. Yeah, but, yeah. Right. But still, yeah, it's a strange uh, one. Um, Thanks. <laughs> OK, so one last thing, and this is actually what spawned my my whole happy Chanaka thing. Um so Saturday Night Live this week had like Saturday Night Live Christmas on, and mm-hmm. there's one where they've got the the Martha Stewart topless special yep. Christmas special. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah, it's it's hilarious exactly, and that's how she ends it. You know, whether you're celebrating Christmas or Chanukah, yep. <laughs> and that's how it finishes. And then she, yeah, it's funny. Yep. It's funny. I'm not gonna lie. There's really no reason to lie about that, but it's funny. Yeah, I'm not sure why anyone would want to lie about that. Well, there's really no need to, you know. So that was also pre pre like Shawshank, um, Martha Stewart. You know, she okay. went to, she went to prison. No, I I get that. Right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and, Time and to so shut this down. He has a very bizarre kind of like cooking thing with um, Snoop Dogg. That's yes. True. Okay, well, I think it's time to shut this down because this is getting awkward. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Happy Merry, whatever, whichever goes with that, and uh, have a good one, everybody. Uh, anything else from you two? Um, happy Festivus for the rest of us. There you go. And Hatfield? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> happy, happy holidays, you know, and please be safe. Don't make um, bad decisions. Yes, please. Yes. No, I mean, no, seriously, it's, you know, there. I was just reading um, uh, something about how, I mean, we're, I think there's a new, I don't want to bring it down because I know it's holidays, but just please be careful. You know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Hopefully the vaccine will help us all. Um, but just, you know, please play it safe. I know that we're, you know, wanting to go and visit family and stuff like that. But, you know, don't let your guard down because just because they're family doesn't mean that they can also, you know, be infected. So just please, you know, please be careful out there. All right. And, it, and if they are infected, remember, you have to um, separate the head or injure the brain to take it down. Right. And if you get bitten. <laughs> zombie joke. Sorry. It's only a matter of time before <laughs> then they will kill you as well. That's right. So for the History Bros, my name is Jason Rude, signing off for the, the uh, this maybe the last time after this episode. I don't know. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. We will not be having, a, not be having an episode next week. So oh, that's good. Uh, good point. Good point. This one twice. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah. See ya. Peace out. Uh, deuces.